What's up, everybody? It's Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. And with me, I have Jake Payne, our editor-in-chief. And together, this is our What's the Headline podcast. What's going on, man? Yo, man, what's up? I, I, I want to start with a question. Did you, um, how many all-nighters did you pull in college, like truly studying? All-nighters? Wow, that's a crazy question. Um, how many all-nighters did I pull? I'd say probably, I probably did like two a year, maybe two or three, probably like eight. Eight to okay. ten, something like that. How about you? I think I did one ever, but I'm not as uh, I'm not as well educated as you are. I stopped <laughs> after four years. You kept going, um, but yeah, for me it was one. I asked that because you know there have been times in hip hop. Have there? Well, let me ask you: Have there been times in your hip hop media career, you know, that you pulled an all nighter? Hip hop, no. Uh, the only time I pulled all nighters in work was back when I was a lawyer, way back mm -hmm. when. Yeah, I, I once so back in like 2008 when I was at another publication, we were partners with um, Rock the Bells, the concert tour, and we were their media partner. So we would do a bunch of things. And one time, you know, I had to get us from I think Boston to DC overnight. And not only did I, you know, I was leading that 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 company editorially, but I was also the driver. And I'm real funny about people driving, you know, my my car. And I drove all night and worked two days. So in hip hop, I've pulled as many, maybe more all nighters. But I say that, to, I mean, I ask that because you and I were talking very early this morning, like uh, after midnight, and here we are right back um, in the early hours of you know, Monday, February 6th, with a little bit of rest, certainly no all-nighter, but it, it makes you feel alive. It makes you feel committed when you um, when you can do that. And and there have been several times you and I have done stuff in our travels and whatnot where we've operated on two, three, four hours of sleep. I think of a yeah. South by Southwest. Yeah, for sure, man. And, I, and no coffee for me. Like, one of the things I've given up for 2023 is coffee. Haven't had <laughs> a month. I figured. I figured. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I've minimized my vices in this world, but coffee is definitely one of them. And I never want to be one of those people that's like, oh, I haven't had my coffee yet. But um, I do look forward, like oftentimes my favorite part of the day is the first song I play, you know, or, or just kind of press and play on my music and that first sip of coffee. And I, you know, I get to share it with you and anyone that's listening now. No, nah, man, I'm just had... crazy. I'm just crazy sensitive to it. If I had coffee... At any point in the day, uh, I will be awake at night. I'll feel it the next day, like, you know, um, you know, I get tight. Um, if I have it past 11, like, it's crazy. But 11 a.m. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not as bad with, like, tea and soda and stuff like that. But coffee, it's something about it, man. Interesting. Yeah, I've never... I've never really had that. I try not to drink it after about one or two in the afternoon. I only have two cups a day, never three. I have three, but I look forward to that most days. And uh, yeah, man, it's funny. Anytime you and I saw each other a couple weeks ago and I went to grab a cup of coffee, I said, hey, man, can I get you one? And you look like I was trying to buy you meth, man. You're like, <laughs> no, I'm good. Again. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was uh, it's been a month. It's been a month and counting. So we'll see. We'll nice. see. Nice. Yeah. I cut back on alcohol, too, man. I try and do that on the weekends now you know, everything, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I had taken a month off and I was doing swimmingly at it. And then 
um, you know, I am in the process of getting married and we picked a date and some folks showed up with some wine and I, I indulged this weekend, but it's funny, like typically the weekend, I'm somebody that, you know, that's often how I unwind. I, I like wine. I like liquor, you know, fan of, fan of cheap beer. And, uh, but I really sat it back. Like I, I abstained last night during the Grammys, um, at one point, um, I thought of all the years I've covered it, all the different places I've worked, but there were a lot of them. I will always associate Grammy night with AFH. There was a lot of times in the last, uh, close to 10 years now where you've been in the building. Um, and actually Amanda Mester, who was a big part of our site, um, in the mid 2010s, uh, she and I were texting, remembering we kind of did a DEF CON together where I think we had Thai food and, some wine and we were we were covering like she would do a story I would do a story so last night I had one little uh uh vodka and 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 juice drink and it didn't even sit right I'd stop drinking it so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah well um you know I, I remember in the past years I've been super excited for the Grammys um this year I don't know I felt differently about it like um you know, uh, I went into the show oftentimes now, like you said, I've been many, many times at this point, probably, I don't know, eight or nine times, something like that. Um, and that weekend is always crazy. You go out you typically get out on a Friday. Um, my guy, Ted Reed, shout out to Ted has a party on Wednesdays. He kind of owns that like Wednesday, like early evening slot bunch of professionals a lot of black professionals in the music industry and adjacent to the music industry it's a great look great reunion and then it's just like non-stop you know just party hopping all day you start you know drinking like smoozing like at noon there's usually a brunch or 11 o'clock most days um you eventually get numb to it because you're with the same people at every party it's kind of traveling a lot of stars a lot of executives uh, and it's a great hang. It's a great way to reconnect. It's one of those places where you kind of go to be seen to let people know that you're still like in, you're still in the industry and all that stuff. And then Showtime is, is funny, man, because a lot of people, you know, it's kind of 50-50. A lot of people just go for the party and for hanging. But then um, a lot of people don't really actually care about going to the show. You know, mm -hmm. those who do tend to be like the at the most senior level, like, and they've got um, a skin in the game, either artists for a record company or, you know, key programmers, like you always see Stephen Hill, my old boss there and people like that. But I always enjoyed going to the show itself because if you are a music lover, dude, like it's it's held in, it sounds corny to even say now, but crypto.com arena, formerly Staples Center. And uh, you've been to concerts and arenas, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been in that venue too, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, so a venue, the sound is never like being in like a small venue. Right. But do whatever they do, whoever's mixing it and setting up the boards and everything, it is the most pristine sound you will ever hear in a live venue. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. that it holds 20,000 people. It sounds incredible. And so I always enjoy the show, man. You, you get like music's finest all in one place. You'll get 20 performances, you know, 30 different performers all different genres. So as a music lover, man, it, it was always fantastic. Is there a, is there a, you know, I see the light, like, is there a top moment that you've experienced in the building? Cause I know you've gone to the ones that were in New York too. Like, was there a Grammy highlight for you? 
Man, the one that comes to mind is when uh, Kendrick had just lost the Grammy to Macklemore, uh, you know, appropriately called the heist, his album. Uh, <laughs> he lost Good Cap, Kid Madsen, lost to the heist. And then after that, about 20 minutes after that, Kendrick performed with Imagine Dragons and they did a mashup of Radioactive and um, and Good Kid, Mad City mm-hmm. uh, and, and Mad City especially. And it was just absolutely incredible. And Kendrick like let all of his like frustration out on the on the stage that night. The energy it was I, I we did the headline. I thought it was a bigger moment than if he even won the Grammy because and let people know this dude is here and he's a star and like will not be denied. It's funny, man. I think of that night all the time and I cringe, uh, not because of Macklemore and Ryan Lewis heist, but it was funny. That was our first real year. That was 2014. So you and I had started working together the previous July, July of 2013. So that was our first Grammys. And it's funny. There's like three women in my family, including two of my closest aunts and my grandmother, who's now passed that all have birthdays this week. And I remember that night being at dinner, you were in the building and you texted me like, hey, if something breaks, are you down to cover it? And I'm like eating pasta and I'm like, oh man, I gotta get home. And it was funny, I mean, it was a very different internet then, but we were um, we were really not, you know, I mean, it was the, you know, Ambrosia was four years old at the time, just about, but it was funny, like how we handle that now versus even today in this iteration of the site, how we handle it where, um, you know, it's funny just to kind of segue into this year. Um, you know, you and I had talked about like, hey, what are the things that we might, you know, cover on the site? What are the things that we might talk about? And then lo and behold, at about five o'clock yesterday, you know, they've already started announcing awards. And one of the things I'm noticing is, sure, your classical and your jazz and some of your folk and those gospel, those deeper categories never seem to make um, the TV time unless there's a real you know, touch point of, you know, a legacy artist that might be their last or something like that. But they called three hip hop awards before the show ever started last night. And we all, we were prepared. We didn't cover things until later because there was kind of a motif of the night, but it's just funny to watch how we once were versus how we now are. And we treat this um, probably a lot more like sports or politics than anything else. Yeah, man. In terms of like what's televised and what's not, it feels to me like it's regressing. There was a time where you got at least two rap awards, you know, on air. And for the genre that is, you know, categorically the biggest genre in the world, for it to only have one uh, representation on air is insane to me, especially when you look at the presence of the performances and stuff like that. I don't know, man, something something is off about that to me. I think I'll shoot the Grammy some bail on this one. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said, but this year in particular in the rap categories, with the exception of melodic rap, the, um, the nominees were very redundant. You know, you had Kendrick in every category, you had Khaled in several of them. Um, and, and I also have to imagine, and you may know more about this than I do. They look at who's coming. Like at some point they have to know who RSVP'd yes and no. And I don't, did you see Pusha T in the building last night? Yeah, Pusha was there. He Pusha was there. Was there. For the, you know, he, you know, he had kind of a, uh, he had kind of a salty look on his face when the best rap album uh, award was 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 uh, announced. You know, interesting. Second, uh, it would be the second time this has happened to him since the 2009 awards. And you know, going into that year, I was really excited, as as you may have been, about Daytona. 
but I'm just curious if they look and they say like, where are the things? Cause I do remember in years past multiple, um, you know, rap categories. Cause that was the year, you know, Drake came up in 2019 and kind of spoke uh, ill of the Grammys very, you know, subliminally and not so subliminally. And they started playing the music. And of course that was the year that Cardi B also made history as the first, um, you know, female solo artist to win best rap album for invasion of privacy. Yeah. You know, I would think that at the very least it would have both best rap album and best rap record. You know, um, I can see not having rap record and rap song because there's a, a ton of redundancy there. But the single versus the album, yeah, I think you got to have it. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling that we'll see that in, in future years. But this year, and maybe that's why, getting back to what you said, you and I both came into this. I know, you know, we both um, did a podcast late last year where we picked some winners, um, you know, but this wasn't one where there was a whole lot of subtext of, you know, Drake going against Pusha T or, you know, um, just other examples of that. You know, you don't have Jay-Z, a Jay-Z album going against the Kendrick Lamar album. It was just a little different. Yeah, yeah. It was more Kendrick verse versus Jay verse. The hard part five versus versus God did. So, yep, yep. Yeah, man. Um, all right. Well, so let's get in. Let's get into talking about the Grammys, man. Like, um, one of the things that, you know, I talked about the lead up to the Grammys and how important that is. There's a couple things that happened. I know on Thursday night, there was an event where uh, Lil Wayne, I believe Sylvia Rome, I think Missy and Dr. Dre got uh, got honored. Um, I heard that was incredible. But the thing that I saw the most news about over the weekend was Slick Rick's Lifetime Achievement Award. You know, you, you had covered this. Um, we talked about this too before, right? Um, that he was getting it. I'm mixed about these. I'm glad that 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 legends like him and Public Enemy and it was Run DMC and Run DMC, yeah. uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, and then Salt and Pepper got it, but they got it. We don't remember that because they got it in 2021, which was the year Grammy is in. They got pushed back, and that was you know I don't remember a lot about that year because it wasn't to the the back like it is now. Well, I love the fact that these 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 folks are given their their flowers now. You know, mm-hmm. um, I wish they had gotten them real time, but you know it is what it is. You can't go back and change the past, so it's great that that is happening now. But Slick Rick is the recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award this year, uh, or one of them, I should say. And you know, as an after party, Russell Simmons, you know, obviously. Uh, founder and former owner of Def Jam, which is where Slick Rick was signed, hosted an event at Kulina Ristorante um, and Cafe in LA. And it was like a who's who of people coming through just to like pay their respect to, to Slick Rick. So you saw pictures on the gram of Buster Rhymes, MC Light, D Nice, Nas was there. You know, Nas has a lot, uh, you know, uh, that he owes to Slick Rick based on. The storytelling that 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 Rick uh, crafted so well and Nas took to another level, and then you had Anthony Hamilton, Swiss Beats, Curtis Blow was there, Joy oh, wow. Badass, uh, Jermaine Dupri, DJ Cassidy. It was it looked like a real star-studded affair for for Slick Rick. So so that was dope. Yeah, I had some some folks and colleagues that were in there, and they were just saying great things about the party. You love to see that. I've, obviously, every year one of the hardest tickets. Our hardest invites to get is the Rock Nation brunch. Um, and this year, I think the, the big headline of that was um, Little Kim was there. You know, obviously, 
she had worked with Jay-Z early in her career. They're kind of contemporaries to a certain degree of both, you know, coming, you know, to stardom in the mid nineties and both being close associates of big. That was cool. There was a photo of Kim and Beyonce. And even last night, you know, Trevor Noah referred to Beyonce as the queen bee. And, you know, I was remembering the subtext there. And obviously everyone that's affiliated with Rock Nation from Rhapsody to DJ Khaled um, to, you know, Kaylin for real, for real, all like a, a list of who's who was all in there. And that, that was that was good, too, because I don't think that they've done that brunch um, in the last couple of years. But that always becomes just, you know, it kind of lets you know or lets the public know, you know, who J and B are, are messing with. Um, and that that's cool, too. But, yeah, those two events, I think, were huge. Yeah, the Rock Nation brunch was always my favorite event. You know, uh, I was fortunate enough to go to several, including the, the inaugural one. First one ever was in Soul House in L.A. Mm. Um, and, dude, the gift bag was, um, it was a Gucci, um, as Gucci bag that held the gift, the stuff. So your actual gift bag was Gucci. And, and it was a bunch of stuff, including um uh, an ipad holder that was gucci a leather Gu gucci ipad holder it was insane it had to be five hundred dollars at least Damn. per bag and it was the craziest receiving line i've ever seen at one point there was uh it was it was b j and then will smith all together just like you know in a line like people just going through just dapping them up saying what's up and everything that was insane the craziest thing that, that happened to me at that one was that um, I saw Ellen Pompeo from Grey's Anatomy. You know, she she plays uh, the lead character on Grey's Anatomy. Okay. And uh, she says to me, um, are you Stevie J? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't look like no damn Stevie J. Like, you look I mean more like Stevie B than Stevie J. That's hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I'm like, nah, you know, I'm not Stevie uh, J, right? But then in a surreal moment, about 20 minutes later, I'm walking through and I see Stevie J. And, and this is literally um, right after the first season of Love and Hip Hop had premiered. And he's like readjusting because his head, like people knew Stevie J prior to that as producer for Bad Boy, like, you know, the Biggie hits and stuff like that. But then he was a total villain on Love and Hip Hop. So I look at him and, uh, you know, he looks at me and he says, what's up, brother? And I said, I'm good, man. You? He's like, oh, man, you know, I'm all right. I'm just trying to remind people, like, you know, who I am out here. And I'm like, man, your catalog speaks for itself. And he said, wow, thank you, my brother. You know, so we had a cool moment and everything. But that, I thought that was hilarious. But that was my um, my first Rock Nation brunch, you know. Damn. That's uh, that, you never told me that story before. That's yeah. That's and that man, I got gift bag envy. That would have been great to re-gift to people. So yeah. They're the best gift bag I ever had the Grammy. So I went with this. There's an OG lawyer named Joel Katz who has represented everyone from James Brown to like, you know, the the biggest names in the world, right? And biggest companies. And uh he was a consultant for MTV when I was there one year. I think it was like 2007. So my first, I think, Grammy uh Clive Davis dinner that I went to, because Clive has this dinner, you know, the night before, there's always the heaviest party in the, in the heaviest room, um, heaviest party at the place, like everyone is there. And so before we go to that party, uh, you know, Joel's got a limo, we go to uh, the Best Buy party. And I'm like, Joel, why are we going to the Best Buy party? And he says, 
because they got the best gift bags <laughs> in, in town. And I was like, okay, cool. And so again, this is 2007, right? Um, we leave and there's a digital camera and like, you know, a hundred dollar gift certificate to Best Buy and stuff like that. This is before even like cameras were like that good in phones. Yeah. So that was probably a thousand dollar gift bag. But before we left, there was a, a, a guy rolling up cigars and handmade cigars, right? And Joel's like, yeah, just, just grab one if you want. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And he said, no, nah, you know, just, you never know. So I grab a cigar, right? I stick it in my jacket pocket. We go to Clive Davis's dinner and I'm sitting between Joel and on, on my left is Kid Rock. And so Kid Rock <laughs> and I start having a conversation, right? And we're talking, we're talking, you know, throughout the night and everything. And at one point he goes, man, I wish I had a cigar. He's like, yo, you know, he asked the dude next time you get a cigar. And then uh, it says, nah, he looks at me and I say, yo, kid. And I pulled out like cigar from my thing and gave it to him. And he was like, yo, that was the coolest shit I ever saw in my life. That was the cool. And he like, he starts bringing people over and telling them the story. Like yeah. I see him the next day. And I introduced him to, um, you know, my wife at that time. He was like, yo, that was the coolest shit I've ever seen, man. Like, uh, so That's that was cool. my moment with Kid Rock, man. It was crazy. Yeah, people forget. I'm not a Kid Rock apologist. He's, he's, he's said and done things. But people forget early in his career. You know who one of his big co-signers were? And I think produced on one of, maybe both of his first two albums for Jive. Uh, uh, I can't, I remember, but I forget. Who is that? The TR-808, Be Nice. Oh, wow. That's crazy. They were label mates at Jive. Yeah. Yep. So. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, man. Yeah. He was a cool dude in person. I know his politics have gone left as of late, but, you know, uh, was definitely a, a good time with me. You know, that's so. dope, man. Yeah. So let me ask you, having seen that, why don't we start at the very top from the minute the show began? How did you feel about, you know, Trevor Noah and his opening monologue? You know, it was cool. It was interesting to me because I was thinking monologues have changed now and, and comedians, their approach has changed post the slap. You know, he was he had kid gloves on. Everything yeah. was very, very PG, uh, not even PG-13 and uh, complimentary. The closest he got was, I think, talking about Harry Styles, like having the women, you know, throw their panties at him and then he puts them on and wears them better than them. I thought that was the most risque <laughs> he gets. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I was definitely thinking about that moment with Will and Chris. And, you know, I also wondered if more people tuned in because, you know, after that moment, it, it realized it made you realize the power of live TV again. But what, what did you think of the monologue? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There were like, you know, Trevor Noah is, you know, very clearly a great comedian. I've, I've listened to his memoir and, and um, you know, I've seen his stand up. But he did. He went very PG, leaned into some dad jokes. I mean, let's not forget, this is CBS. And there are constant reminders from, you know, the performers to the layout of the show that this is something that, you know, uh, a 15-year-old is, is supposed to watch and, you know, a 75-year-old is supposed to watch. And they try to lean young, but meet them all in the middle. I thought he did fine, but you're right. I mean, post-slap, the way the room was laid out with those tables, um, you know, more like the Golden Globes this year. There's a tension there. I mean, just in the times we live in, just the way that social media works, like I'm always and I'm watching people's faces and I'm watching reactions. And, and maybe this year, that's what the Grammys wanted. They wanted to create a lot of not tension, but, you know, have some of that drama with the reaction. But 
I thought he handled himself well. And I had even forgotten that Harry Styles joke because it didn't seem like there was any roasting of the room. It was more so like, a, you know, a David Letterman or a Daily Show type of monologue. Yeah. You know, and it's also part flex, that opening monologue. Uh, you know, he's walking from table to table because they want the audience to see who's in the building, you know, for yeah. the star power. And interestingly, uh, Beyonce was not there, even though he said verbally that Beyonce's in the room. Yeah. And he also said that Kendrick Lamar was there. And I don't think Kendrick was there either at that point. So, yeah, it was interesting. There were a couple of times in the night where I don't think the production crew could find the guest, you know, and I knew that early. And, and let me ask you, just since you mentioned right there, it was one of the things I wanted to ask you on this episode. Do you think it was traffic or do you think it was deliberate that either of those two, and I'm I'm lumping J and B together and then Kendrick, do you think that was deliberate to be late or something else? I think deliberate. I think deliberate for sure. You know, Beyonce is, is going to be the last person in the room. You know, Beyonce is, I mean, we now know she's the, the most, you know, decorated artist ever. She is, I think, the the biggest presence in a room like that. Um, you know, the, the, it's just, it, even over Jay, you know, Jay obviously is, um, you know, especially after this week, we can, we can talk about that a little bit too. Um, you know, probably the wealthiest artist in the room. But uh, but Beyonce is the I think the biggest star in the room and and she owns that. You know Kendrick like it would not surprise me if Kendrick came for his award and then dipped. I never saw him again after that. And you know I think that you know you and I have talked about this before. He has a very complicated relationship with the Grammys at this point in that he is their darling for sure, and he's done a lot for the Grammys in terms of performances and things like that. And really does, I think, I think they were very strategic in their their roll up to this, Kendrick and, and Dave Free, in terms of things they were doing to like help get out the vote for themselves. But at the same time, I think there's a recognition that the Grammys have not done right by them in the past. You know, we talked about the Macklemore thing. There's the um, I think it was Adele who won the, the best album over Damn. Uh, even though that album went on to win a Pulitzer, there been to Pepper Butterfly didn't win, even though it was the most nominated album. There's Grammys are sketchy with Kendrick, and I think that you know he and Dave recognized that, and he went to get his awards, say what he had to say, and even when he did his speech, it wasn't super engaged. You know, there wasn't a ton of stuff there. Um, so I think I think both were intentional. But what about you? Yeah, and I also think we're living in a time where celebrities and superstars of that level want a controlled environment, you know, um, even down to like the Rock Nation brunch, you know, J and B are very careful every their team analyzes every photo that leaves that event, and they don't let major, you know, even photo companies come to that, you know, people that specialize in celebrity photos, it is about, and we've talked about this other places, it's about controlling your brand and your image and your likeness. And, you know, from Dr. Dre, like he was the first hip hop artist. I remember that of like, I'm not going to be at every event. I'm going to show up when I know a, you know, you're not going to make an ass out of me. And B, if it's a certain level of, of, of prestige. And yeah, I think you're right. And I just don't think that Kendrick and Jay and Beyonce at this point in their careers want to position themselves to be approached by anybody and everybody like there's a lot at stake and you know jay i mean obviously had an out because his performance closed the night um but yeah i think you're right and i don't think anyone should be upset with that up until rollout time i was uh which is again a segue i was curious whether kendrick would actually show because as we alluded to 
before the night began, he won two awards that he was not there to receive because the Grammys had a private feed on their website and they were posting award winners um, on social media. And for the two awards that Kendrick won, he wasn't there. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if we're going to see him tonight. And I think you and I even exchanged texts of whether or not he would show. Yeah. And just as an aside, like he was wearing the hat and the sunglasses. Did it seem to you like he he cut his hair because uh, the hat didn't have like a, a ton of room on it and I didn't see anything coming out of the back either? Yeah, maybe so. But I mean, even down to that, it's funny. Like, again, like I think, again, like people are controlling their image. Like, I'm not going to give you the greatest shot of me. Um, and I think there's power in that. It was at the Grammys where Prince, you know, wore a slave across his forehead, right? Yeah, the, I was not I was not there, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, it's a it's a complicated relationship too of of this is the recording academy. These are superstars, you know, even down to the final thing of the night, DJ Khaled, you know, kind of thanking the academy. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance here. There's a lot of, you know, bow to your savior, but you don't also feel that way. And I love the fact that you don't get that from you know the people that, that we truly look up to Kendrick J Beyonce like no they're there on their own terms and they might not be there next year but they came out last night and I definitely think as an overall the Grammys leveled up because they were there because there have been years recently where some of those big heavy hitters have not been in the building for sure for sure I, I want to come back to that but just real quick on the Kendrick thing the reason why I ask the question is because often when there's a major shift like that, because Kendrick has had long hair and braids now for five, six years. It's, mm-hmm. it's been a long time. Often when there's a major shift like that, it's accompanying uh, a new uh, project, uh, uh, you know, because often with a new project comes a new image. Mm-hmm. And I speculated, I think you and I got a side bet. I don't remember if we bet in public, but I'm going to memorialize it now so people yeah. can like go back and check the check the record. But I think that Kendrick's going to come back with a new album sooner rather than later, definitely sometime this year and maybe even springtime like he typically does. Um, I think that uh, they, they want to put a little bit of juice in the tank of, of PG Lang and it would make a lot of sense for him to have a new look for a new era in his career. You know, PG Lang over TDE, new album with a new sound and new look. So uh, just, you know, that's that's my my, my um, guess. I've accused you of tinfoil hat behavior before, but I think that that's, um, I think that that's really, I think that that's really smart. Like, honestly, like we've seen that with Jay, even like we've gotten to a place where I can look at a photo of Jay-Z and guess within a two or three year window, just like we know the hair, we know the facial hair, we know the the suits, the clothes. Um, I think that's true of J. Cole. I think that's true of Eminem. Like, and Kendrick is very, very deliberate about that. And um, you make a good case. Now, to let the public know if um if I'm right and he doesn't release an album, you gotta take me out to a really nice steak dinner somewhere. If you're right and he does put out an album, we're going to um we're going to Sizzler. We're going where? Sizzler. Sizzler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh I got a question for you. Um, given how the night played out in terms of awards, and we'll get into that in detail in a few minutes, but given how the night played out, do you think uh Jay and Beyonce stay had he not been performing at the end? That's a really good question. Um, no, no. And I was really thrown off as an aside to that. Oh, well, before I continue, what do you say? 
I say no too. I, yeah. I think I, I think they. I don't even know if they show. Actually, you know, yeah. I, I think they show because they thought that. Well, I think he only agreed to perform, and they only show because they thought this is going to be the year that she got the the big one. You know, it ends with her winning. You know, album of the year, and it goes into Jay performance like the power yeah. couple. Exactly. Um, great point. I was a little thrown off because you know I think by Friday we learned that they were going to perform God Did. And they let us know that as if we would all see it. And then at some point in the night, you know, they had mentioned the performers in the lead up. And then Trevor mentions like after the show. And I was really thrown off by that because sometimes, you know, they usually go to the late show in this case, um, you know, uh, Stephen Colbert show. And I'm like, is this because they're late? You know, is it, did they push this performance off the Grammys, which I can't ever remember happening. Um, but they use weird semantics, but they should have just said closing the show. Um, Cause at one point I'm just asking myself, is that why they're late? Is that, you know, is this a scheduling thing? But as we will talk about later, the night ended, how it ended. I don't recall them saying off the show. I mean, it was definitely part of the show. Um, After the show, I think was the words that Trevor used. And I, I was really thrown off, but obviously he wouldn't have. You yeah. sure he didn't say after the break? I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and for anyone that that's, that's listening or watching, let me know if I'm mistaken on that. Yeah. Well, um, all right, cool. So you want to, you want to, you want to talk about the show itself? Um, you know, we, we, so I want to go a little bit out of order because I think okay. the biggest moment for both you and I, and for the, you know, people who listen is probably wasn't the finale, but um, you know, so we talked about the, the lead up with Slick Rick, you know, one of the things that, is is uh, an annual recurrence for the Grammys is the in memoriam section where they honor people who have been lost over the past year, and typically it's a reel with uh, with images and like you know and uh, kind of somber music and then occasionally there is like a medley of folks who are connected to people who died. This year was a really really powerful one in particular. I thought Quavo's tribute to Takeoff was extremely moving you know i've read that he was actually holding takeoff's chain while he did the performance um and the song itself you know and i think the song came out a few weeks ago but but i also felt it was a little unsettling um just given like how complicated that scenario was with with quavo being there when it happened and you know um you know the assertions that it was because of, you know, an altercation that he had been in that, that it happened. Like it was, it was, it was a very complicated um, feeling for me, but what did you think about it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you nailed it. Um, it was a powerful performance. I, I would say too, I was unsettled every year. I mean, you know, and, and we spoke about it last year, 2022 was marred by deaths. I was disappointed. I don't believe the Grammys honored gangsta boo who um, died and they didn't they didn't mention granddaddy IU there was a few artists that just got lost in the sauce and that always makes me sad um and that was my main takeaway I thought the performance itself the medley with you know to your point you know Mick Fleetwood and folks that were connected to some of the larger names that were lost was was great um Quavo did the damn thing um but yeah no no great insights there yeah yeah and then Beyonce, we talked about. So the thing that did happen for her is she became the most awarded artist of all time, has 33 Grammys now after winning Best R&B Song for Cuff It, 
and then best dance electronic music album for Renaissance. Um, that big deal, you know, like you said, she wasn't there for the first one, the dream, uh, accepted the award for her and now Rogers, uh, with the dream saying that she was on CP time, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. the now Rogers thing was cool. Cause I had no idea he was affiliated with the project. And just thinking about that dude, man, that dude has been relevant for what, six decades now. Yeah. It's, it's just absurd. Um, just how talented and impactful he's been and like major, major, major hits in every decade, you know, from good times to, you know, David um, Bowie to get lucky and like, you know, yeah, David Bowie, get lucky, uh, get lucky for Daft Punk and David Bowie, uh, let's dance. But yeah, crazy, man. So it was great to see him. There was, you know, as always happens, there was a little bit of weirdness, you know, of like, I think when the dream stopped, the music started and then that the world realized like, nah, and that was that was cool. And I, I like that he got some time. Um, that was a highlight. Uh, yeah. Do you want to speak about the other performances or do you want to get into the big filet mignon moment of the night? Well, um, um, I, I want to talk about it. So I want to talk about a couple of surprise wins. Okay. First, you know, and then, you know, let's talk Kendrick, but uh, surprise wins uh, I was shocked that Lizzo won record of the year. That blew me away, especially, you know, given how big of a record Break My Soul was for Beyonce. It almost felt like to me, like there was a little like Grammy hate going on there. Like, uh, um, and I read this fascinating piece on Variety last week. They took five people anonymously, but it was five different demos. So one was like a manager. One was like a record exec. One was, um, uh, a new artist and, you know, a couple other categories. Yeah. And they asked them for how they were voting on five different categories. You know, one was like best album, one was record of the year, song of the year and so forth. And it was fascinating to see the thought process. There was only one out of the five that like actually said, you know, I'm voting for this because of the artistic merit. Most of it came down to, um, you know, Ab I want ABBA because, you know, Abba's been around for a long time and no, this isn't their best product, but they deserve a Grammy. Um, there was no, I'm not going to give it to Beyonce or Adele because they always win. You know, uh, there was a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with evaluating the music itself, which is just absolutely crazy to me and what you speculate is happening, but to see it like right there, that's when I knew that Kendrick wasn't going to win album of the year. I think I told you um, yeah. before the show that it wasn't going to happen. And so I think that Beyonce has some backlash because like you think about and no shade to Lizzo at all. Lizzo, you could see was shocked that she won that and even gave flowers to Beyonce and almost she didn't go full Macklemore and apologize, <laughs> but she was like, yo, you're the artist of, you know, you're you're the artist of the deck, you know, the biggest artist ever, whatever. You know, she gave her her props there. But that was a real surprise to me. The other one was Song of the Year with Bonnie Raitt winning um, for her song. And and like she looked stunned. Like she looked like she hadn't prepared anything. Like she looked like a deer in the headlights. She was just like shocked into stillness for a minute. That was it was like, come on, man, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I got to uh, work. Very briefly, you know, I, I sat on a, a three hour call with Bonnie Raitt last year. And one of the things that blew me away is somebody who's, you know, family members liked her music like she is incredibly modest and humble. And I couldn't tell 
because you texted me that. And I couldn't tell if she was stunned or that's just Bonnie Raitt for you. Um, the Lizzo thing, I agree, you know, and I want to ask you something. You know, we've talked about. She said, about- I can't believe this happened. <laughs> she yeah, was but that- stunned, dog. Come on, man. <laughs> there was no, yeah. inter- there was no interpreting. Like Somebody uh, pointed out something on Twitter that I didn't realize regarding Lizzo's album. You know, the only way that you, you know, if you win a Grammy and I, produced a song or I featured on it the only way I won a Grammy too is if you get album of the year like you know when Quincy Jones won back on the block all of those artists won Grammys a lot of them you know on the hip-hop side that was the only Grammy they've ever gotten um so interestingly enough somebody pointed out um there's actually another another journalist Jesse Fairfax on Twitter pointed out on Lizzo's album which was up for album of the year which she did not win Quelle Chris produced on that album which i didn't realize mm. um and i thought that that was so interesting because lizzo whatever music she makes now which i don't know how to categorize it you know um in terms of genre but she has roots in the hip-hop underground and it's cool that like a lot of artists like mac Lamore and ryan lewis she carries some of that with her um and that was one of the most um times i've ever gotten to see lizzo speak on a stage that big i know I'll read headlines where she'll do stuff on Instagram and whatnot, but that was, I agree with you. That one came as a shock to me. Um, do you think like had Lizzo one album of the year and not Kendrick, do you still qualify her as a hip hop artist? Lizzo? I've, I've never qualified Lizzo as a, as a okay. hip hop. She's a singer. I mean, um, she's one of the biggest singers there is a big voice that is. Um, <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh I do, but I mean to me, so, I very much equated to like um a post Malone or an MGK, you know, like you know, she is an artist. There, Lizzo's rapped, you know, very much. Even on like you get it a little bit on hits. I know that that's not like flowing, but I'm always curious, like how do we how do we treat her? You know, she, I mean, she raps a little bit, but uh, but her singing is like I'd say 80 to 90 percent of it you know and okay. uh you know she is like she blows like she really like sings sings you know yeah. what I mean so um it, her speech was great and you know obviously her messaging is awesome like body positivity and uh actually um, a person I worked with at BET back in the day who started off as an intern and became a producer produced her reality show. I don't know if you saw that the person who introduced her was um, uh, one of the dancers that she chose as part of this reality show. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, Neka, who was this intern who became a producer, actually won an Emmy for that. Like she's wow. uh, like done unbelievable work since then. So Lizzo has like, she's she's got an entire ecosystem around her. She's, she's built up people um, who are plus size. She's built up like, you know, um, trans people and the queer community she like is an entire like uh she has an entire like um orbit around her which is which is pretty dope so it's it's cool that she won i'm just shocked that it happened in light of beyonce you know yeah and with that one of the things that i thought was really interesting is beyonce in her you know acceptance speech honoring the queer community which she did for i think was uh was it best electronic recording 
that I think uh, best they, best dance uh, yeah. slash electronic music. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, she made this album and I thought it was really like, you know, you and I didn't spend a ton of time talking about it last summer, but, you know, very much rooted in house music and all of that. And I thought it was really cool that she used that moment to um, kind of highlight that. One of the other things, one of the more cringe moments of the night, I would say, was Madonna. I mean, that whole speech wow. was yeah. rough. Madonna yep. beckoning and, and, you know, Madonna has continued to be in a very weird place in the public eye over the last five so years. Um, but to watch one superstar of years past handle herself and handle trying to speak to marginalized communities versus another person in Beyonce that just did it so eloquently, I thought that that was um, one of the more interesting moments later in the night. Yeah, man, I was thinking, um, it must be really tough aging as a former, as a sex symbol, you know, yeah. I'm trying to think of people who've done it well. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think that Eartha Kitt was, was great. Lena Horne, like um, I'm trying to think of others who have done it, but I think the ones who have been most successful are the ones who have done so naturally and who've embraced age as not as something to be afraid of, but something that happens to all of us and like, you know, wearing it proudly. And Madonna doesn't seem to be doing that right now. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, you know, one of the things that wasn't televised, but, you know, Future was there. I, I will say, as we, you know, say into kind of talking about the hip hop breadbasket of the night, um, I'm not mad at Future winning a Grammy for Wait For You. That is of the four rap categories, the best melodic, I'll just tell you point blank, especially this year and last, it's not a category I care very much about. Often those songs nominated are not the songs that, you know, are close to my heart or close to the Ambrosia for Heads coverage. But, you know, I, you and I speculated briefly, but like Future's kind of a polarizing figure, somebody who has a ton of success, but is not like Grammy polished, I would say. Um, so he was in the building. It was funny. He was sitting at a table. It was him, Little Dirk, and Ice-T. I saw that as they were panning the crowd and Coco, and that just made me laugh of, you know, folks that make provocative rap in different eras in different ways. But, um, yeah, you know, if not for that, Kendrick would have swept the rap categories last night. Yeah, for sure. So I think the last surprising one, and you called this to my attention, was Robert Glasper. Winning uh, best R&B album for Radio Black, Black Radio, Radio Three, Black Radio Three. So, uh, you want to talk about the, the controversy that happened around that? Yeah. So, I mean, she competed against Chris Brown, and Chris Brown, you know, has a weird, complicated history with the Grammys. I mean, you know, has had some highlight reel moments, and then I guess it was 2009 after the Grammys that was when Rihanna and Chris Brown's you know famed incident happened. Correct. Yep, and right. Chris Brown went on IG Live and discredited um, Robert Glasper and said, you know, basically, I won't direct quote, but who the hell is this? And um, that really disappointed me because, um, you know, I feel like the music community um, has shot Chris Brown a lot of bail. And, you know, throughout the years, he continues to um, kind of show his immaturity. And, you know, it's one thing if it's an artist that that is super undeserving, but Robert Glasper, I mean, has put in 25 years of work far beyond that. And 
what he's done on the live stage, what he's done on albums, what he's done on other people's albums is insane. I mean, he is, and he is not only somebody that is incredibly deserving and has won Grammys before, but is somebody that represents why I feel like there's still hope in bringing awareness. And, and unfortunately, that particular award was not televised, but Black Radio 3, I mean, you have an element of it on our playlist right now, the collaboration with Mac Miller. Um, but there's there's really incredible songs on that throughout. You and I have texted each other a number of them. Yeah, that one wasn't on the album. I'm um, looking now, and you're right, yeah. Yeah, but I did have the Pasta News song, the song you had with Big Crit on it, and D Smoke, like... There was heavy representation of that album on the playlist. It's a, I'd say a couple of things. So one, yeah, Chris Brown, man, continues to shoot himself in the foot. It's weird to me because it's been a, a few years now since Chris has done something uh, that was, I think, head scratch worthy. Like I thought he kind of turned the corner. He's had his daughter. He's in his 30s now. He's maturing. But, you know, um, it is what it is. Second thing, though, is that I question, when I look back on it, I wonder, was this album in the right category? Because this is one of my favorite albums of last year. I think it is one of the best albums of last year. But when I think about how to categorize it, um, at first I was like, man, is it more rap even? Because it's got a lot of rappers on it. But I looked at the entire guest list and it's very, very diverse. But, you know, Jasper... Glasper has always been a jazz artist. And to me, this is a modern jazz album. And modern jazz can have different elements. You know, you saw that with like Branford Marcellus back in the day and um, with Roy Hargrove, like, you know, rest in peace. Um, to me, this is a modern jazz album. And um, maybe the problem was uh, was the placement rather than, than um, Glasper himself. But Chris went at Glasper personally. And, you know, it was like, who is this? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like really trying to diminish him. So like, that's inexcusable, but it does beg the question for me as to whether or not it was in the right category. Yeah, I mean, that's a tricky one too, because there's another category, which I don't necessarily agree with, but, you know, progressive R&B album, which, you know, last night, Steve Lacey won. Um, Thundercat has won in the past. Last night, um, Terrace Martin was nominated. Last year, Glasper, Terrace Martin and Ninth Wonder and Kamasi Washington were nominated. So it's weird because I, you know, I don't know that there's a whole lot of difference sonically and thematically, you know, to to push that into a different box. But it's it's wild to me because, I mean, speaking to the thing that you shared a moment ago of how people vote, um, you know, Chris Brown is a is a superstar. Uh, and well, his name might conjure negative images or negative histories for some of the voters. It's it's wild that Glasper gets that and I, I think very deservingly so and that was just disappointing because you're right like I thought Chris had turned the page from that kind of behavior I remember when him and Frank Ocean were going at it back in the day and that was kind of the last time I really remember being like Chris Chris grow up um yeah but yeah anyway yeah all right so we touched on it already but Kendrick took three out of the four major rap categories um best song best record uh, for the heart part five, both in both cases. Best rap and, performance, yeah. Yeah, best rap performance, yeah. And which is weird too, right? Because you have best records for certain categories, you get best rap performance. Like I don't, I don't understand these distinctions here. But uh, in any case, he won those two. He lost the uh, the best melodic, you know, uh, which you know I think you and I 
thought was was quite possible. And then he won Best Rap Album for Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Uh, Pusha T definitely looked disappointed to me, you know, when mm. I when I saw when I saw him. And Jack Harlow also looked kind of shit, you know. Uh, and to your point, he was the ironically the dark horse in this one. Um, and so, um, but you know, no no surprises here for us, right? No, that that comes that, that comes naturally. Um, it was cool that Kendrick was there for the one award. Um, and again, that fact explains to me some of why the Grammys didn't want to put um, multiple of these categories on stage, especially in years past when somebody goes up there the first time, they say what they have to say, and then the second time or third time, that's when you start to see sometimes, you know, soapboxing. I'm not saying you ever get that from Kendrick or political commentary or things like that, but it was what it was. None of that came as a huge surprise to me. Kendrick, by my count, now has 17 Grammys. And just for context, you know, you talked about Beyonce making um, history last night. Bruce Springsteen has 20. So Kendrick continues to just um, really stash away the trophies and deservingly so. Um, this, yeah, his last three albums have all gotten the best rap album distinction. So, and he's coming up on being the most decorated rap artist. You know, Jay Z holds that distinction now. Uh, him and Kanye, I think, were tied at 23. I think, with um, actually, I think he and Kanye are still tied at 23. Uh, so you know, who knows, man, another album or two, Kendrick could, could uh, be really knocking at that door, which is pretty crazy. All the more reason why I'll be taking you to Sizzler this year, man. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, man. So let's talk about the performances. That's that's why people, I think, tune in for the most part for the Grammys. Or would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I've always enjoyed the awards. Um, I like that, but I think most people. I've I've watched the Grammys as I'm sure you have with a lot of other people, and folks wait on the performances. So yeah, man. Um, why don't I start with one that that I think is 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 tributary to hip hop. How did you feel about Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson and the tribute to Barry Gordy and Smokey? It was great, man. Uh, really awesome. Uh, the the part that I enjoyed the most was Stevie Wonder and Chris Stapleton playing. Uh, when Stevie was on that that whatever that that boxy hat was was super dope. Man, I've been fortunate enough to see basically a rendition of that tribute in person like eight nine ten years ago uh actually probably like 11 years ago at this point 11 or 12 years ago bt honors uh the bt has a show called bt honors these happen every february and it was really a night to spotlight you know black excellence um in every category and one year we gave barry gordy the visionary award and i'll never forget he got on stage and he said, being a visionary means proving to the world that you're not crazy. That that just resonated with me, stuck with me forever. You've quoted that a number of times to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Smokey and um, Stevie were there performing. I believe Aretha Franklin was there performing. Uh, dude, there was one point where I was on stage and I met both uh, Steve, um, I met both Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson together. You know, and I just, you know, thanked them for and, you know, talked about how my mom was going to be so thrilled that I met them. And um, I wanted to meet Aretha Franklin. I saw her in a side room, but she looked like she's in kind of like a pretty intense conversation with someone. And like I read the room and didn't do it. And I was like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it at some point. And then like she died, like, uh, you know, uh, wow. not that long after that. 
Aretha Franklin, though, man, like was huge in my childhood. Um, got me, she earned me $25,000 at some point. And, you know, that's the story for another day. But, um, but yeah, man. Um, so seeing that unfold on the Grammy stage was cool, but, you know, I'd seen an, uh, a rendition of that in, in other places. But what, what about you? I agree with you. I mean, I really thought Stevie's performance was great. I mean, Smokey is such a legend to me. I, um, you know, because of my mom, because of my uncle, like I grew up entrenched in, in Motown and not just the hits, but, but, but deeper Motown. And I love seeing Barry there. I mean, keeping the low profile, but standing up, it appeared he stood up. It was cool. They showed from the back of the crowd and he was up like he was the lone stander early in the performance, just watching what he helped create. And, um, you know, Smokey's at a point where, you know, it's clear his voice is not as strong, but who can fault that, you know, given his age, given what he's been through, but he's still a showman, you know, he still um, defies however old he is, and Stevie has that charm and that instrumentation, it was really beautiful, and I'm glad, you know, I know that throughout the Grammys history, there have been a series of times where they stopped to honor Motown and various different looks, um, but I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, man, Smokey's 82 years old. I think he looks great. I thought he sounded great. Like, really, really cool to see, man. Um, and we can't take for granted how much longer we're going to have these legends with us. So, so it's dope. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, other performances of note before we get to the big one for you? Other performances of note. Uh, I liked Brandi Carlisle a lot. I saw her, uh, I listened to her album for the first time yesterday, you know, kind of in preparation because I wanted to see uh what it was all about and i think it was really strong um who else performed bad bunny was okay to me nothing um like earth shattering i thought lizzo was great i thought lizzo was really really good um like i said the quavo performance definitely did impact me sam um, smith sam smith was cool you know what, what i thought was interesting about that is he did that song on certain snl uh just okay. a few weeks ago and a lot of times with these big award shows, they put embargoes on performances of songs on TV because they don't want it to, you know, kind of be burned out. So I was surprised that that he was allowed to do it. Maybe it was just outside that window, but typically it's, you know, a couple months or so. So, but you know, he always got a ton. And I didn't realize that um, the woman on that record was trans. Um, yeah, me neither. I thought it was incredibly uh, cool for him to let her do the speech. Yep. I thought that was like just such a G move, man. So yeah, I thought that was very cool. My my fiance pointed that out to me and I thought that that was really interesting. And then, you know, he got a chance to speak later in the night, maybe, right? He won something else or... No, um, I don't think he okay. did. He did. Uh, he just let her he just let her have the shine, which was dope. One other thing I want to ask, and this is unrelated to the performance, but those I think that covers it. Um, how did you feel about this whole thing with the fans for the album of the year? You know, I was trying to figure out what they were trying to accomplish because, um, you know, it wasn't a particular, they weren't particularly social clips. The payoff was at the end, you know, with um, them On letting stage. the grandmother give the, the award to Harry Styles. That was kind of cool. You know what I mean? But up and I thought it was a lot of stuff to get to that payoff. What about you? Yeah, uh, you know, it kind of reminded me, and this came from my living room. Uh, I didn't come up with this this point, but like it reminded me a little bit of a college admissions catalog of like they were trying to find 
people that they thought that CBS thought would identify with those artists, with the exception of the grandmother. Like that was the wild card. But with each artist, it was like, you know, they're trying to find like what this represents in the world. Um, and it seemed a little bit reachy to me. And it took yeah. up a lot of airspace again. Um, so on one hand, I think the Grammys, you know, underlying is trying to show this is really about the fans. But the rest of the night, you know, that doesn't always line up. I thought that that was interesting. You're absolutely right on the payoff. That was cool. But other than that, I was like, man, you wasted like 20 minutes of time. Yeah, because it was, it was extensive. It was not just short chunks. I was like, wow, okay. Those are those are like tune-out moments. That, that's dangerous because, yeah. you know, anything like that, anyone watching live, that's when a person's going to turn away. So, But, you know, I also, I do give it up to them for trying something new. They're trying yeah. to break up the format. And so so that was cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's get to the, you know, two or three big hip hop moments of the night. And I think we should start with the biggest, don't you? Well, uh, depends on how we define the biggest. <laughs> Word, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say, uh, so here's the, the thing. Um, I think that the thing that people were most anticipating um, on a mainstream level was probably the goddamn performance um, by... You know, DJ Khaled featuring Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, Jay-Z, John Legend, and I keep forgetting the other dudes. Friday, the two Ys. Friday, okay. Um, and so this is a performance. So typically the Grammys will have one, at least one or two performances that are outdoors. And this is the one they did that way this year. Um DJ Khaled said it at the end, they basically let them do an entire nine minute song, which is insane. You know, typically a person gets a verse, verse and a half, a verse and a chorus. And like, you know, they keep it moving. They want to keep it quick and get as many songs as possible in there. Uh, on top of that, Jay-Z did his entire four minute verse, which, you know, broke the internet at the time. Um, the setting was uh, The Last Supper, you know, the whole theme of the album is God did. And you got like, you know, uh, whole, the song is God did. And you got Hove in the middle, you know, playing the Jesus role. And, you know, on the one side, um, he had his dudes from back in the day, Emery and I forget the other dude. OG1. Uh, and G1, yeah. OG1, yeah. OG, OG1 at, at his sides. Like, and so, and you got this big long table full of food and everything. Like, so the imagery, the, um, the symbolism is crazy, um, you know, and, you know, Wayne does his thing in the street, Ross does his thing, and Hove does his entire verse sitting down. That, to me, kind of, like, took away from the energy of it, you know. Um, I, I would have preferred to see Jay more animated. Um, I get what they're trying to accomplish, but I, I don't think it came across um, as well as they probably hoped. Um, and overall... Uh, for such an epic moment and song and um, an opportunity, I felt like I, I was, it left me uh, wanting a bit more. But what What about you? Yeah, I felt the same. I know there are folks on social media that I saw as I went to bed after the awards that vehemently disagree with me. Um, and, you know, that song itself and that verse was incredibly polarizing to people. Um, you know, you and I, you know, spoke transparently about my initial reaction versus yours. Um, and I've since come around and realized, you know, the true beauty of, of, of Jay's verse and why it is one of the finest of 2022. 
That is the first time they've ever performed that song. So with that, the first time it's ever been on television. I agree with you. Um, so I've always been a fan, you know, just strictly performing wise of Big Daddy Kane more than Rock Kim. You know, Kane is jumping and doing acrobatics and, you know, high intensity. And Jay has done those performances in his career, and he's probably done them on the Grammy stage. You have Rakim, who also performed last night, and we'll talk about that, who's often more laid back, just kicking the, the rhymes to you, um, you know, like has that more docile approach. And for me to watch Jay sit down, largely cover his face with the mic, he was he spit clearly, which is more than I can say for Wayne. Um, it wasn't all that to me. And then, you know, I, I get the symbolism. I thought the way with like kind of the the mist of the night and the the neon it was it was wild to see LA like that like that was powerful and you know Jay I think spends the majority of his time in California now so it was symbolic of him being you know a king out there as has become Puff and these other people which there's a lot of hip-hop subtext because you would have never thought that you know 25 or 30 years ago or closer to 25 but, you know, they're running things. I thought that was cool. I thought the table was neat. He has Juan. He has Emery beside him. They could have been co-defendants, but instead they are two black millionaires, you know, f sitting with a black billionaire in the center. Like, that's power. And then you have Wayne and Ross playing into it. Everyone was cool. Um, you know, DJ Khaled's enthusiasm is is a big part of his brand. Um you know, I'm never going to criticize a man's faith. Like at the top of his performance, he got on his knees and and kind of, you know, did uh, witnessing, you know, or, or spiritual. But you know, his stuff at the end and thanking the academy. It wasn't, it wasn't a remarkable performance to me. You know, in the annals of Grammy performances, I do think you know Khaled being a Rock Nation managed artist they are doing what they can collectively, you know, his affiliates from Ross and Wayne to Jay, three men that have been very integral to Khaled's career to remind and to appeal that this man is a superstar and he very well may be. Um, and I love seeing Khaled at other points in the night showing his hip hop roots and his fandom, but it was a little bit disjointed to me and it was not the Jay-Z at the Grammys moment I had hoped for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think that it would have felt like it had more energy had it been inside? No. Yeah. I think the outdoor part was cool. I don't know. I don't know. And you've, you know, you've produced television, you know, award shows and things like that. I mean, a performance like that being as long as it is and the tempo and energy of the song, it has to come at the end of the night, right? Like you can't do that at 930, right? Like that's far too long and you're risking people that are not invested of turning away, correct? Uh, no, I disagree with that vehemently uh, because okay. the thing we're going to talk about after this, I, I believe came in at around the same kind of running time. Yeah, but that's a different... But it had a different level of energy, you know? Exactly. And, but, so, but that's the point though, right? It's not about the time, it's about the energy. And, and it's about the audience. And to me, like, you know, your your folks, and I know it aired close to midnight by the time it was over, but your your folks that came for 60 minutes and stayed for the Grammys, I don't know that they're going to sit through eight minutes of that, you know. Um, that's what I'm saying, though, too. Like, uh, I think I think middle of the night uh, is okay. Uh, and I think inside is better because I think that crowd reaction does make a difference. You know, being mm -hmm. in the room hearing the crowd like react to things. And like, as soon as like Wayne comes up, you hear like thunderous applause and then, you know, um, 
then Jay comes up like, and like, you know, you hear the reaction. It, it It's like being in a movie theater watching Independence Day versus watching Independence Day by yourself on the couch. Like it's completely different experiences. So that's a really good point. Um, Tinfoil hat moment for me. Do you think there's any symbolism to that performance not being in the building of, again, you know, does, does J&B even show up if not for the album of the year thing? Like, is it the fact that they're already outside? They've already, you know, like get off, take your mic off, go home. Like, is there a reason in the eyes of the star of that song, which is Jay-Z, that it's outdoors? So I wonder, a lot of times with those shows, they, they actually allow crowd participation. So there's an audience around there. So I wonder if there was an audience seeing it, you know, maybe uh, they wanted to open it up to the people um, to create more of a social moment. Um, you know, so I'm not sure. Or maybe it was the size of the, uh, of the set, you know, uh, I'm not sure. But um, in any case... It was, I was looking forward to it, but it didn't, it didn't have the impact on me that I was hoping for. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And there, and one thing I'll say is there's a lot of great hip hop that doesn't always translate to the stage. I mean, especially through the pandemic, like there's music that sounds great in the car, great in headphones, great at the gym. That's not always gonna be um, set for that. But to your point, you started to make, there was an even longer sequence that had over 15, by my count, 17 or 18 songs that were fit for the Grammy stage. Um, that absolutely blew me away. So we knew this was coming, right? It was announced, what, like late January or so. Um, Questlove announced that there was, maybe, no, it was actually early January. Early January was announced that um, Questlove was going to curate a tribute to hip-hop 50 for the grammys and you know it's the roots they got a lot of pull they've played with everyone in the world um you have expectations but you know it seemed like it was going to probably skew a bit more old school and you know be you know four or five artists whatever and it starts off ll cool j after having um announced Dr. Dre, who won an award too. That's another moment we didn't talk about, but uh, Dr. Dre become, became the first ever to, to win the Cultural Impact Award. And it's now called the Dr. Dre Cultural Impact Award or Global, it, Global, Global Impact, Impact. Yeah, Global Impact Award. Um, and, um, you know, after Dre comes up and, and accepts this award, LL starts talking about Hip Hop 50 and, you know, um, and out comes, you know, Run DMC and, you know, they're doing Rockbox and... Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Even before that, though, if I want to yeah, jump yeah. in. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. One thing that I love that LL did is, and, and this is something that's that's really become more and more as we talk about inclusivity and, and properly telling history, LL, you know, traced hip hop back. He gave the history note of August 11th, 1973. Right. And he said, not only Cool Herc, but he gave props to his sister, Cynthia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we talk about Cardi B winning that award in 2019, like, like women are pioneers too. And from the very thing that we're celebrating, it's Herc and it's his sister. And I thought that that's really interesting, especially given the fact of, you know, Herc was not part of the performers, but immediately they kick it over to another pioneer, um, you know, another like first, like 1970s Bronx pioneer and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Um, and that to me was amazing because I, 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 
you know, it's not covered, but these guys, there have been Flash and there's been the Furious Five. And even through, you know, um, Lifetime Achievement Awards, through Hall of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions, these guys have not been necessarily in orbit together. There's been issues. There were issues in the 80s with how their contracts were going and how they're working. So to see Melly Mel, um, I believe Scorpio, Flat, like to see those guys on stage together was incredible. Yeah, that was insane. Mel, like looking super diesel as always. Um, and then you got Run and, and, and D, you know, um, and then like, dude, it, I thought it was going to be four or five. And, you know, in, in like over the course of the performance, I don't have the exact order. I'm sure you do, but you have Rakim, Salt and Pepper, Queen Latifah, De La Soul, Jazzy Jeff, Cutting. Um, with LL, Nelly, Missy, DJ Drama, The Locks, Buster Rhymes, Public Enemy, Scarface, Method Man, Big Boy. Then you get into like, you know, current artists like Glorilla and Lil Baby and Lil Uzi Vert, all with the roots. Like, dude, it was uh, absolutely like mind blowing. And you said 17 songs. You got you got the song. You got the track list. Yeah, I mean, I can I can read through it, and, and and I might be a little bit off on this, um, but to me, the medley started with there was an allusion to Grandmaster Flash and the Wheels of Steel at the top, into the message with Run DMC was King of Rock, um, they Jazzy Jeff and the Roots move into Rock the Bells. You know, there's several flashes back to LL, Salt and Pepper with My Mic Sounds Nice, which you know I thought immediately it was going to be Push It, and they went there which again, the curation is dope because I mean, hip hop heads. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just like kind of an Easter egg for folks in the know. They switch over to rock Kim, who I believe does Eric B as president um, public enemy with rebel without a pause. Um, Pasta news comes out for De La, does his buddy verse Scarface does the ghetto boys mind playing tricks on me. Ice T does new Jack hustler Nino's theme queen Latifah, you and I T Y. Method Man does his title song, not You're All I Need, or, you know, like, I mean, like, he came out mm -hmm. doing Method Man. Big Boy hits the stage to do ATL Leon's verse. Busta Rhymes with Spliff Star do Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See. Missy Elliott, Lose Control, Nelly Hot in Here, Too Short, Blow the Whistle. Um, that was interesting, too, because, you know, that's a song 25 years into Short's career, Um and then the locks, all three locks with DJ drama behind them do Jada Kiss, We Gonna Make It. And I know Styles was on the song, but it's important to note that, um, you know, Sheik was there. And then, um, like you said, they do uh, Little Baby and Glorilla and Little Uzi Vert. And I'm embarrassed. I'm going to show my age. I don't know which of those songs each did. Well, they did um, FNF for sure uh, for, um, for Glorilla uh little baby and uzi i don't remember but yeah fnf for sure for gorilla and i, mean, I think i was uh, snuck uh, i think he snuck um look at me now in there too a little bit oh yeah yeah there was yeah. definitely yeah splits and the one thing i didn't say too is at one point they flashed it back to the center of the stage and it was ll and black thought and they did um kind of it appeared like a freestyle but it was kind of a rendition of was it double trouble i mean it was um it was one of those like wild style records, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm down by law. And, I, you know, do you remember what that was? I can't remember. I got to go back and look. At it was it. one of yeah. those like Grandmaster Kaz, you know, like iconic, you know, and it embarrasses me. Like it was one of the things and, and we'll have it right in the article that this appears in. But yeah. Yeah. No, but dude, it was 
one after another. And like you said, it wasn't the the gigantic songs, but it was the songs that were truly hip hop, that the things that like put these artists on the map in most cases, or like, you know, they're 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 like it was it it was basically like a quest DJ set. It wasn't just the obvious. It was, but it was all like super dope stuff, incredible. And he was um, you know, he he played throughout, even though there was DJs. Um, and you know, it was interesting. At one point you pull back to see, you know, there were at least two stages right there, but there were stages in the middle. I mean, it was shaped like that, where, you know, and then there was a center in the crowd stage. So a couple other things to note. Um, at one point, there's LED boards that are listing everyone in hip hop imaginable, you know, and it's a true cross section. Like you and I pride ourselves on AFH being a cross section of hip hop. You had names like Spice One, Murs, Aesop Rock, People Under the Stairs, um, you know, Little Brother, uh, Flowrider, you know, like everybody in hip hop's name, just to show you how intertwined this culture is. So that was one. Two, I loved the way that the crowd reacted. At one point, you know, I, I alluded to it a moment ago, DJ Khaled runs towards the stage and it almost seemed like people were like, what's going on here? And he's just holding up his phone to document the moment. You saw Jay-Z vibing out. You saw Tyler. At one point I'm watching- Taylor Swift. Uh, well, Taylor, um, but Shania Twain's losing her ish over UNITY, which made me laugh. Oh, wow. Um, you know, Jay and Steve Stout and uh, Pharrell and, you know, you're watching all of these people in the crowd truly bask in the glory. And, you know, like hip hop 50s all year long. You know, we haven't we haven't come near August yet. We're, we're still, you know, more than six months away, um, just about. But, you know, this celebration is going to be going on all year. And for the Grammys to make that first huge mark, I thought was massive. And, massive. You know, for for a stage that has not been so kind to hip hop over the years, including last night at times, uh, that was the biggest uh, tribute, hip hop tribute I've ever seen at one setting, you know, uh, on a stage like that. Um, and, you know, speaking of Jay, like I'm looking at him and I'm wondering if him and Kendrick are like, damn, I wish I was in this, you know, because like it was such a moment and they're such big parts of the culture, you know, yeah. um, there was there was nothing lacking about it. Um, imagine yeah. if it also had Kendrick, Jay, and Drake and Cole. Like it was just it was it was incredible, man. Um, the only other tribute I can think of that was even that even came close, and this is before I even went back and looked at who was in it. Uh, and it still it doesn't it doesn't compare. But like you say, Motown forty five at the end of Ar Arsenio when Arsenio. Um, did uh when his final show he got an incredible tribute from yo-yo mc light tretch fife q-tip right. uh Nickens, cl smooth guru dust effects entire wu-tang clan krs1 mad line and pete rock it was it was uh it was pretty dope or the yo mtv that classic you know from yeah that, that one too rakim and like i yeah. thought you were even going to say motown 25 but you're so right like it, it absolutely was amazing it was amazing on that stage i wondered the same thing about jay and you know jay and a lot of artists at that level are selfish because they have a right to be and i use the word selfish meaning like you don't need anyone else but hip-hop is about community and i wondered the same thing like in his mind somewhere 
because his history as Kendrick's, as Eminem's, as Drake's, as J. Cole are so important to this culture. Do you wonder if you participate in that moment? I wondered if Andre 3000 is sitting at home somewhere being like, yo, I should have been out there with Big. Like, yeah. Yeah, um, but I and say that are fans like Jay and Kendrick are fans, right? Like, you know, like I know this for a fact. These guys are fans of the music, and there was that was the most animated I saw Jay all night. He was legitimately happy about that. So yeah, it means so much, you know, to hip hop. But also, um, I love the fact that you get those moments. Like, you know, Outcast means so much. I would contend that that big verse is is you know one of the three best outcast verses period just in terms of what we know so to have that to have pasta news out there doing you know a really commanding verse as as a solo artist i mean representing de la of sure but to get that moment to see salt and pepper do that um you know it was it was interesting like jazzy jeff you know his one of his most famed routines is to rock the bells obviously he wasn't part of the production of the song but to watch that interplay of Jeff and LL was, was amazing. You know, um, rock him out there. You know, he, he redid the lyrics, you know, um, to make it all about himself, like owning his greatness alone. Like it's, there was a lot of subtext and a lot of interesting stuff there. And, and yeah. And, and one thing I do want to say too, you know, LL set the moment up incredibly at one point in the night, you know, like LL, somebody who's taken hip hop roots and done all of these other things with it is Queen Latifah. And she announced, and I could hear like the KRS-One, we will be here forever in my head. But she said, hip hop will live everywhere forever. And mm. she said it with that kind of assertion. And I loved that proclamation. And I love that it came from Queen Law. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, There's great representation, not only generationally, but also gender wise, too. And so, yeah. you know, mad props to, to Questlove, you know, even though you have huge expectations of him being who he is and the incredible knowledge and um, access he has like that one, like well surpassed my expectations. So that was super dope. Mine too. I was honestly not just not about, not about um, quest at all, but just knowing, you know, what's available in terms of TV time and space and all of that. You know, I was thinking something along the lines of, you know, like a five song medley, you know, when I saw Salt and Pepper, I was like, oh, that's cool. We'll see Push It. You know, um, this was for the heads and it was incredible. And I love the fact. I think that I think that the folks that, you know, are in their, you know, at whatever age, the takeaway from the night was this performance, hands down. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, you got anything else uh, on Grammys this week or? Not really. I mean, you said the Dr. Dre Award. It was cool that Dre showed up, did that. We'll see that live forever. Um, nah, I think I think this is this covers it really well. Dope. All right. So then, uh, as we as we traditionally close, uh, what, what's your song of the week? Man, you go first. Uh, mine is by La Russell. You know, La Russell is a name that, you know, I've heard here and there, but was in the zeitgeist this past week. So I finally started to give it a listen and went on a deep dive. And he's got a, a prod. He's got two projects already out in 2023. So that's two in the, in the first month. Um, but uh, one called Omaha. There's a song called If I Knew Then. It's on our playlist, our Spotify playlist, which is regularly updated. And it's just super dope. Like, um He's 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 got this real casual uh, conversational type delivery, 
but he's saying like all sorts of deep stuff that like you're like oh wow i can't believe you went there and um this is this is one of those songs that set that uh shows that best you know it's funny i've been asking people all week you put me on i've listened to both projects i've listened to omaha twice now um the playlist is what hooked me in um really enjoy that one and what's crazy he's not even from omaha he's from vallejo california you yeah. know yeah. Um, but that project in particular reminds me, um, you know, kind of, a, yeah, let LaRussell be himself, but it, it, the joy and the happiness and the ease of that project um, is great for this time of year. I'm going to pick a deep cut. So I watched the show, you know, I'm high adrenaline, just like ready to cover whatever you and I are talking, figuring out this this episode. And I go to bed, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm falling asleep and um Charlemagne the God and Little Duval had spotlit a song by an artist we've covered named Transley. And Transley is an artist from Alabama, briefly was on T.I.'s Grand Hustle and made some of my favorite music in 2017 and 2016. It was like absolutely an artist that I think, again, you put me on to um, that I just, everything he did, I wanted to hear. And they put out, he has a real, a real interesting song called Each Other. It's actually for it's from 2018 and it asks a lot of questions and it kind of positions himself as an artist trying to make it independently against all these things that you know he's seen working for other artists all these things that he's being messaged from superstars um absolutely outstanding so you know just shows you that there's music that you can hear for the first time that's not brand new and it's not you know it's not 20 years old and it's still great. And that song, I listened to it five times before I went to bed. So that's dope. I remember Translate. I remember liking him quite a bit. So yeah, that's dope, man. Absolutely, man. Well, yo, this was great. Shout out to Hip Hop 50. One thing, if you made it this far in the episode, please um, hit that like button, leave a comment wherever you stream this video on any of the apps, give us a review, help spread the word. We do this for engagement. We do this as an extension of you know, covering hip hop on ambrosiaforheads.com and you and I both working in this combined uh, damn near 50 years. So yeah. this is this is an act of, of love and care for the culture. And we want to hear what you think and, and need your support that way. For sure, for sure. All right, man, always a pleasure. Likewise, man, until we do it again. All right, peace. All right, peace.